With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the last word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping all safe and well. We're back to talk about a win for Spurs. God, it's felt a while since I've actually said that on this podcast. A win for Tottenham Hotspur against West Ham United. And I've got a buoyant panel to join us to overlook Spurs' first win in eight games. Yes, eight games. Of course, we had the enforced break. But hopefully this is the start now of the revival under Spurs head coach Jose Mourinho and helping me dissect the next hour and a bit. Delighted to have back alongside me my regular man in Lee McQueen. Lee, how are you? Hello, lads, and hello, listeners. I hope everybody is keeping well and uh, looking forward to getting into it, mate. Yep, lots to discuss in this next hour and a bit. And we're very, very pleased to bring not one, but two returning guests to the last word on Spurs. Delighted to have TalkSport's very own massive Spurs fan, as you know. Pleased to have Paul Hawksby back on the last word on Spurs. Paul, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Ricky. Pretty good. Good, good. Good to hear, Paul. Lots to come in this next hour and a bit, of course, of all things Tottenham. And also, a regular, one of our favourites back on this show, Crackers, the man himself. Crackers, how are you? Hi, Ricky. Yeah, all well. Hello, everyone. Hope you're all safe and well. Yeah, uh, nice to be back. Yep, it is nice to be back. Now, it's fair to say, of course, over the last week or so, last one on Spurs, we've received many different comments on the back of the show. We think it's Manchester United, of course, Big debates at the moment in terms of the manager, the playing style. And as always, I think it's fair to say we always try to bring a fair balance to the podcast in what we always try and do. We always bring a mixture of guests every single week to talk about your beloved Tottenham and what everyone is making of it. And that's exactly what we're going to try and do in this show. So where better to start than, of course, the review against West Ham and Paul I'm going to come over to you to start this week's show. So it was a vital win for Spurs and also a justification of Jose Munoz's claims that his side would improve when he would have a full complement of attackers open to him. I think it's fair to say that Harry Kane grew and looked better in the game as it went on. The Celso, the star again, as we knew would be the case. But of course, Undumbele's absence, I think, is one that, of course, is going to ring alarm bells. But that was our first clean sheet since February, which came against Man City. And our first win since our away game against Aston Villa, which was also back in February. Tell us, Paul, what you made of the win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. A very important one. We had to get the, the three points and the, and the manager spelt that out. He, he told them at half time, if you don't win this game, if you don't find a way of winning this game, 
you can forget the Champions League. So he was pretty stark about it at half time. I think we saw the signs just before half time that that we were starting to get behind them a little bit. It was frustrating and it was incredibly difficult to break them down. The way Moyes had set them up was just purely to see if they could just get a little bit of something on the break. And they weren't really getting forward at all. So it was attack versus... I mean, at one point I thought, West Ham should just put bibs on. Take the shirts off, put... It looked like a training exercise. It was all one-way traffic. <laughs> uh, and it, it was very frustrating. And But then Lacelso. I mean, it was one of those nights where I was thinking, I wish Ericsson was out there. We just needed someone who could bit, pick bit a pass, quality. who could play yep. between the lines. And we yep. we didn't have that. But then Lacelso got going and... He, he is looking a real player. He seems to be getting better and better. I think he's going to be a real star at Tottenham. You know, he's a he's a he's a cracking player. So um, yeah, it was important that we got in the game. The, the disallowed goal, I think, put them on the back foot. And you just knew as soon as we scored, they'd have to come out because they needed some kind of result. So look, it was a fairly fortunate way we did get it. But uh, you felt once we got one, uh, we'd be okay. But there was that little moment. There's a thing that drives me mad about Spurs still, is that we've always got a little individual rickiness that yeah. could cost us big time. And last night it was Mikel Antonio down by the corner flag, going nowhere. And Sissoko, and I'm, I don't, I'm sure everybody was the same. I'm saying, don't foul him. Don't foul him. He's not going anywhere. Don't foul him. <laughs> so what does he do? He bundles him over. They get a free kick and Jared Bowen hits the post. And that was our little bit of luck last night. But yeah. it could have gone the other way. But if we could just cut out a lot of individual errors, just little moments where we almost shoot ourselves in the foot. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But that's a real frustration. They, 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 can, they can be a bit dumb collectively sometimes and individually as players. But we got away with it and it was a cracking second goal. And I, I, it was the move of the night, really, the, the one the one into the other Harry Kane just put round the post. So I think there were a lot of positives. Um but, uh, you know, we have to think back to had it gone to 1-1, could have happened then, yeah. Yeah, well, we've got, we've got loads of questions to come in terms of style of play and thoughts on Jose Mourinho's setup. so I'm sure we'll bring that into the show. Lee, going to come around to you next. Spurs getting back to winning ways. Let's be honest, it wasn't a classic, but an absolutely massive three points for Spurs, which keeps our season alive and kicking. It wasn't the prettiest, but points are all that matter. Seven more cup finals left to go for Spurs to try and secure Champions League football for next season. What did you make of that performance against West Ham? This big running that we've got, I was including Arsenal in that, of course, uh, but they've probably dropped out of that now, um, thankfully. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the amount of points amassed from the other teams around us and, and actually four points from our first uh, two games back is, is is a good return. You know, I think the West Ham game, a, a little similar to the Manchester United game in terms of decision making. I hear what Paul's saying about individual errors. I've, I've written that down in my little Mossberg book, as I like to do. And, and actually, you can track so many individual errors, sorry, this season. Um, from from our players, you know, even even as far back as Newcastle, um, the, the Newcastle game on the 25th of August, and you know, subsequently the, the game before that against Man City, and you know, errors that, that that cost us, and you just think to yourself, like like Paul, like you just said, basically, completely agree. There's always a Rick there. You know, you look at you look at Manchester United, and you know, for all the possession that we didn't have, and for all the shots on target they had versus ours, which I think was six v four in their favour. You know, they, we were we never really looked like that we was going to get battered or conceded. You know, Lloris made a really good save against United, of course, and you know, obviously we we get you know Pogba was a difference that night, and you know, Dyer gave away the penalty. You know, and you could say that's an individual error. You know, the individual error that Paul just talked about was Sissoko. There was another one in yesterday's game as well where Oreo was dithering on the ball. Like I don't know what he was doing. I think he was trying to do like some sort of 
Timothy Atuba step over or whatever in, in you know in the final uh, in, in his own area and, uh, and and he got caught in possession. But other than that, I thought it was really solid. I have to say, you know, like like Paul said, you know, David Moyes set the, the the team up to to be very very difficult to beat. Um, and and again, I think the analysis even from Jose um, after the match that we were very slow in the first half. We were very backwards sideways, uh, backwards sideways, very kind of laborious in that way. And I think that's what frustrates us us fans. Um, because we, you know, we want to we want to play more uh, swashbuckling football. Um, but actually, in the second half, I think we, we did get hold of the game. And, and again, like Paul said, as soon as we got one nil up, they had to come out. Spaces started to open up, and you know that, that breakaway. I mean, that son pass. I don't think I've seen anything on social media about that son pass. Wonderful pass, absolutely yep. glorious pass. Yep. Weighted to perfection. Um, and again, you can quite you can, you can actually see um, you know quite starkly actually that he he's doing more of a defensive role. He's not a defender, don't get me wrong, but he's playing more defensively. And 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 I think you know as a team and as a unit we are. And and I think that can only bode well. You know, we've always said on this pod for for weeks and weeks with Jose coming in that he will sort the defence out. He, he has no choice. That was our biggest issue. And I, and I put a, um, a tweet out uh, this morning about. That was the first time um, that we've played back-to-back, back, uh, the same back five back-to-back since uh, Man City, Newcastle. That, that is an incredible stat. If you think about the amount of chopping and changing, I actually call it the okie-cokie um, because it's one in, one out. I don't know what you're doing, you know, ch- changing around. We have three different goalkeepers play for us. And it's been like that for two seasons. So to get a bit of stability, yes, it was West Ham. Let's, let's, you know, let's put it into perspective. But, you know, we had 65% of the ball, uh, 662 passes, um, yeah, we didn't have huge amounts of shots on target, but 15 shots at goal. I mean, if that was Liverpool, Man City, people would be waxing lyrical about it. So, no, I'm really pleased. It's three points in the bag. And like you said, that's the first win we've had since since February. So, uh, let's just let's just celebrate it and move on to the next one. And Crackers bringing you in, as we mentioned, Spurs getting back to winning ways. And it's a big win for us. You know, I think we deserved it. We are good overall, as we mentioned. Kane getting that goal. West Ham, they had their moments, but when you look at it, just a fifth clean sheet of the season for Spurs. And, you know, you look at that partnership, Dyer and Sanchez, it looks promising at times. And I have to agree with Paul that, you know, it does feel like there might be a ricket in them. But I want to ask you a question here, Crackers. And again, we want to get your review in the game. This is from Joe at Lily Wife Light, who says, on the back of the win, do you feel more joy or relief? And how about the players? For me, it's relief. And I think it's something that Jose needs to work on. Doesn't seem like anybody is having much fun at the moment. Tell us your thoughts on the game, Crackers. How did you see it? Exactly that. The joy. It's yeah. It was a it was a great win. And given my dislike of West Ham, I was I was actually looking forward to the game more to seeing West Ham lose and Spurs winning. It's always nearly every other game I can enjoy a Spurs win, but if it's a West Ham loss, then that just that just adds to my joy. To be honest, so it, it's funny. I sort of went into it hoping they would lose rather than we would we would win yes that's just me with, with them but yeah there's that just that I, I don't know maybe it's the strange circumstances of the games that they're being played under at the moment but there's no there, there was there wasn't much joy in 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 the team last night it, it's, that there's that loss of smile on their face that they that they were playing with and whether if that's the situation that we're playing in or like the manager that they're playing under. But, you know, it was important to get that win uh, last night, which which we done. Um, I can't believe Moyes never played Declan Rice as centre-half and put him in midfield because he just doesn't look he comfortable there. 
and I think that helps us. The Celso look fantastic. Um, but I, I don't know. Just I, I don't. I'm not looking at the same Kane at the moment. Um, it just doesn't seem to be playing with that smile on his face. There was a couple of chances he had, and you thought to yourself, "Well, wow, like you know, he would have absolutely buried that a couple of seasons ago, and he and he never." Um, we had that break uh, from defence where he, we just looked like Spurs of a couple of seasons ago. And I was just thinking to myself, do that. Just do do that. Do that. Like, play like that. Please play like that. That's what I want to watch. That's yep. what I want to see. Yep. And, and and the wins will, will follow. But that that's what I want to see back from Spurs. But, yeah, it's uh, a win. A win's a win. But... Just please, with a little bit of a smile on your face. That, that, yeah, just that joy to return. And I'm just not seeing that at the moment. Maybe it will come. I hope so. I think that was one of the other things that I wrote down, is that, is that decision-making. It's that, that ability to be able to... Get, I, think, I think the team, or Jose, is trying to drill the team so much on tactical, this is how we're going to play, that actually you get yourselves into a position where that tactic can, can actually come off. And... Uh, I want to make the kind of comparison to Johnny Wilkinson. You know, when we won the World Cup rugby, I know it's a different ball shape and whatever, so I'm probably losing a few listeners here. But, you know, when, when we won the World Cup in 2003, the, the, the whole team was set up tactically for, for Johnny Wilkinson to get into positions where he could drop kick, where he could, where he could score drop goals. And I think, you know, the tactics that we've got, some people will look at it as kind of sitting back on a 1-0 lead against United, for example, or some people look at it as tactically trying to, you know, uh, uh, trying to um, change the, the way the opposition play. But the way I look at it is that we, we, we're tactically drilled to get into them positions. And then when we do, like Crackers just said, we, we, you know, we want to play that way, you know, let's, let's go with that. But then we make the wrong decision. And I think Lamella, I think Lamella made a massive impact on yesterday's game, if I'm honest. But against Manchester United, when he started, he made fourth decisions in, you know, he made the wrong decisions and it, and it cost us probably another two, maybe three chances, which could have led inevitably to goals. So I think, you know, there, there is, they are tactically drawn. And I think that takes a bit of time. I think the small, Smiles on the faces will come back when we're not under huge pressure. And like Paul said, we was under massive pressure, really, to get, a, you know, Jose pointed out half time, you've got 45 minutes, lads, to, to stay in the hunt for the Champions League. So there's a huge bit of pressure on that. And then you're coming into a situation where, you know, there's no, like you said, crackers, there's no fans in the ground. There's, you know, we, we've been for a strange time, we're under huge amounts of pressure. And actually, we've got 45 minutes almost to save our season. So I think once we get a bit of confidence and we get, you know, that fluidity playing, sorry, playing and familiar familiarity playing again I think the fluidity will will hopefully come come back and I don't think we're ever going to be you know two fullbacks bombing forward under Jose and that kind of swashbuckling football at Pochblade but but you know let's make no bones about it let's be brutally honest about it you know Jose Mourinho's come here to win stuff you know that's why he's been bought in and you know if if we end up winning every game for the rest of the year or for the rest of the season 2-0 in the manner that we beat West Ham I, for one, would be very happy because we'd probably end up in the top four. Paul, want to come round to you. I mean, it's clear, isn't it, that there's still at the moment a split amongst the fans in terms of the manager. I think like, questions we've got here, for example, Mr Marcus, is there anything in the world more depressing than watching us play at the minute? And then David Lynch says, great substitutions, Lamella sets up the goal and then Winks calms everything down. There is definitely a definitive split amongst the fan base in terms of the 
approached by Jose Mourinho, the style. And I want to ask you a question here, Paul. This is from Garrett at Van der Maida, who said, this was on the back of our show that we did on Monday. He says there was a lot of criticism from Mourinho and his tactics, which I think was unfair, given that his team, which he's inherited, doesn't have all the players that he wants and needs. I understand that it's not the way that we as fans see Spurs playing, but this is a style that has won Jose so many trophies. So my question is, after this match... Are you starting to believe more in his tactics and are you willing to give him the summer and well into next season to continue to work with these players and develop on the style? I love the way that we played under Pochettino, but I think, you know, that has gone. We're not we're not going to get that back and it was never going to be like that under Jose because he has got a way of playing. I think I saw Crackers on Twitter a little while ago. I think he summed it up, you know, go one one nil up, sit back. Uh, because we don't maybe have the quality of defenders that he would like to work with in some areas. The other team equalise, uh, and then we go for it again. Then we either run out of time and it ends up 1-1, or we get lucky and we score, or we concede another one. And there is a bit of a frustration about having, you know, holding on to a, a lead, because we know as Tottenham fans, and we know that personnel, because we've been watching them for quite a long time, that... Um, we probably haven't got the confidence in them to be able to do that um, because as a unit and as individuals, they're not quite up to it at the moment, not in the way that Jose wants to play. You know, um, I, I wonder now whether we'll see Yan again unless there's any injuries. That's probably it. They've just got him in his cover. Uh, whether he will persist with Dyer, I think he's been doing pretty well, sort of barring being turned over by Pogba against United. And even uh, Sanchez has looked a bit more solid. I've always had a real problem with that that right-hand side of Aurier and Sanchez, between them, you always feel there's just a big error there. But Sanchez has got in some good positions and his, his pace has started to tell. So there are signs that that he's maybe drilling those players uh, and we will get to a stage where it'll be a kind of classic Jose team that can go 1-0 up and you start to think, well, when have we ever felt that as Spurs fans? 1-0 up will be fine. <laughs> it's going to be enough. But Jose... <laughs> Jose teams have so and look you've got no choice because the, everything that's gone on in in uh, the last few months means there's no way they could pay Jose off uh, yeah. he probably he probably won't have the money to spend in the summer that he would have liked he'll probably know the areas that he wants to strengthen and that most of those will be defensively because I think he has good attacking players so we have to trust him in the market you have to see how it goes personally I, I you know I love the old manager and I love the way he played and I know towards the end it all went pear-shaped, and I, and I think there were reasons for that, and I don't completely blame the manager for that. So that's one of the frustrations. It's that thing of having a, a side you loved watching that played fantastic football, a great lineup of players, and a little moment in time when if you'd made some right decisions at board level, it could have been very different. But, you know, we've got what we've got now. Uh, we've got this guy who's a serial winner, and so let's see, him, let's see if he can win things. Well, I suppose at the moment we have no choice but to trust him. Is it unfair, Crackers, to want style as well as winning? Because you look at managers like Klopp, Guardiola, they can win as well as have that style. I mean, is there any indication, do you think, in time, maybe Mourinho can provide that to Tottenham? Can we have an attacking, vibrant brand of football and trophies? Or do we have to accept it's one or the other? Because for me, why can't it be a package? You look at this Tottenham team, and as you mentioned, that when we went forward on that attack where Kane missed before he scored, we looked absolutely devastated moving forward. And we've got, let's be honest, a lot better attackers than we have defenders. So is there not an argument that there's more chance of us outscoring teams than there is defensively? And I just wonder, can we 
find a, a balance in between here with Jose Mourinho? Certainly hope so. And, uh, you know, as Paul and Lee have alluded to, if the if the defence can be shored up and a little bit more confidence and a little bit more settled, perhaps there, there is, you know, a chance for a bit more expansion up front. But it's just not in Josie's DNA. It's not his, it's not his MO to be like that. He's just not that type of player. And I think... I think I've just become too institutionalised in Tottenham's way of of going for it, of being uh, an expansive attacking team and just having to take the rough with the smooth that comes with that and not being successful other than cups, you know, because of, you know, we've never seen a league win or in, in my lifetime, I've, I've never seen so I've never seen us really come that close apart from sort of 87 um, and I think, as I say, I'm just too institutionalised on that to dare is to do and having having attacking flair teams that will sometimes just have to take getting dicked by teams that, that Mourinho has. So I don't know, maybe in time, if he does put a couple of pots in the cupboard, I'll go, OK, yeah, that's, you know, that perhaps this is the way forward and I've just got to bite me tongue a little bit with uh, with uh, what the football I'm having to watch. But at, at the moment, I just feel like that under Pochettino, it was a couple of years of going around Europe with a really, really lovely girlfriend who was a bit scatty and a bit out there. But we had some great drinks in bars and done some really, really <laughs> silly things. And now I'm now I'm sort of shacked up in a really nice free bed semi with a very sensible missus who gets the bills paid. But I look out the window longing for those days back again of like bumming around Barcelona and getting drunk. You know, it's just like that's just the way I feel about it at the moment. I mean, she could come back though, Crackers. We've been told she could come back one day. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, you know, exactly. And I'm, I'm straight out the door and leaving her if she does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's crack on. Let's discuss the team selection. That's been one of the things under Jose Mourinho in the last couple of games. It's been heavily debated. And again, we saw that. On Twitter especially, the I, I call it the meltdown moment where you get that team news come through an hour before kickoff. We saw him make three changes from the game against Man United. Deli Alli, Giovanni Lo Celso and Lucas Moura returning for Spurs. Meanwhile, Tungi Yundembele, the club's record signing, still only on the bench, which included Steven Bergwijn and Jetson Fernandes. A 4-2-3-1 again with Deli at number 10 and Lo Celso next to Sissoko in the midfield too. And we'll do the Yundembele debate now for the fear that the show could end up derailing because I know many people are interested to hear about the Undenbele debate. We've got questions in from Cleopas Pedicida, Santiago, Jonathan Weber, El Anderton, Nelly, Michael Bennett, Benno the Yid, Coz1882, Roy, Sideline Chatter, James, Hotspur James, Fitz. They all ask, what's the verdict on Undenbele? We'd love to hear you discuss what you think is going on. Now, Lee, I'll start with you. For me personally... You know, I look at the situation and unless Undumbele's picked up a slight injury in training, I just can't fathom how he's our club record signing. He's not been given the chance in the first two games. And that's given just how much Jose Mourinho has praised his application and work ethic during the lockdown. I mean, how are you judging it? And am I looking into that far too deeply in terms of him being only on the bench? There's no smoke without fire um, from, from that perspective. I think that... 
know, I'll defend what I feel, you know, what how I feel. And, you know, Jose, I'll defend him to a certain degree. And, and also, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll criticise him. And I think that within uh, Tinga and Dembele, you, you, you look at the situation and think, well, is this another Pogba? You know, is this another Kevin De Bruyne? Is this another Salah? You know, is this another um, Lukaku, for example? You know, he's got history there. You know, all the way back to, what was it, 2003, 2004, 2004, 2005, when he, when he had Joe Cole out. He's an expansive player. Do whatever you want, Joe. But no, Joe said he got hold of him and he tamed him. He tried to tame the beast. Um, and, you know, you, you could argue that he got the best out of Joe, who became a wonderful footballer and won titles. So, um, you know, you, you look at Eto'o um, in, in the Inter um, uh, team and he, he, he played him as a kind of, a at times, a right wing back. Um, and he's a, he's a bloody striker. So, you know, he's, he's, he's looking at taming certain people, or putting certain people in. Then, you know, most recent history is obviously Paul Pogba. Um, you know, he, he got rid of Kevin De Bruyne and we know how much world-class footballer he is. Um, Lukaku as well, they end up signing him at Manchester United. And then you've got the whole Pogba thing. So, you know, part of me hopes for, you know, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm putting up the praying emoji that that is not the case. And, and actually he's, He's just easing him back in. He doesn't need him quite yet. And, you know, he's got his fully fit team, so he doesn't want to put pressure on Ndombele to come in and perform. But then the other side of me is going, come on, Lee, wake up and smell a coffee, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's obviously a problem now. Um, you've got, I think he's got, correct me if I'm wrong here, Rick, or the lads, he's, he's, he's put, I think he's got about 15 different advisors, isn't he? Um, Ndombele. And, so, yeah. uh, and very true. He's yeah. got a few, isn't he? Yeah. And, and and I think that you know the minute that he don't get in the team or the minute Saint don't go on, he, he's, he's straight out to France and that breaking news. I mean, literally, I hadn't even put my phone down from full time, and I you, you, you know the WhatsApp group that we're on pinging, going, oh, and Dumbelle wants to leave. You don't want to play for Jose anymore. I'm thinking, seriously, I haven't even had a chance to enjoy the three points yet, and all of a sudden there's more negativity. So, I, I you know. I hope that isn't the case, but there isn't smoke without fire, and, and therefore th- there is probably something going on there. But personally, my, my view is that he's trying to tame the beast, I, and I think he's trying to actually turn around to um, and Dembele to say, "Look, I'm going to play for my team, and you're going to win titles with my team. This is what I do. I win titles, and in order for you to play for me, this is what I need from you. And actually, I'm not going to back down. And if you don't, if you don't want to, if you don't want to play for me, then that that's fine." And, and, and I think that's the type of manager Jose is. Um, and I think that's where they're at, um, personally. I don't know what you lads think. Yeah, well, let's bring Paul in. I mean, Paul, as we as Lee said there, I mean, straight after the game, we had that kind of breaking news from Telefoot, obviously a French source that, again, was I'll be honest with you, was, was one of the very first to report of Undumbele making the move to Tottenham. And they kind of go with the report that it's a relationship that's now reached a new low. And during a meeting this week between the two... The French international pretty much told Jose Mourinho that he no longer wants to work with him. Apparently, several Spurs players are trying to mediate between the pair, talking to the coaching staff. And it seems, Paul, you know, this kind of direct communication between Nundumbele and Mourinho, again, reading into, into the sport, has been entirely cut. But then a good friend of the show, Alistair Gold, still firmly believes that, you know, this is still going to be a career for Undumbelli at Tottenham and it will just take some time. I mean, where are you on it for you, Paul? And was you surprised that for the second game in a row, bearing in mind how much praise he's given him, that he's not in that starting lineup? No, I wasn't massively surprised uh, he didn't start because uh, it would be very odd just to have thrown him in when he'd played so little football, really, for Tottenham. I've just seen in glimpses that there's a real player there. Uh, not enough, but there's been times when He's got on the ball and he's the closest we've had to Moussa Dembele. That feeling that he's perpetual motion, he's very hard to get off the ball. 
But some of it we might want to blame on Jose, although we don't quite know what's gone on. But, you know, I think we have to be honest and look at um, Ndombele and said he hasn't looked fit enough. He's not been able to get through games. He's been puffing in games far too early. And there's been a, there's a, you'll hear all different sorts of things. There's been some people were suggesting that he's on easy street. He, you know, two years ago, he was more or less playing in the two or three years ago, playing in the French second division. And he suddenly got a big contract and he's got a cigar on. And uh, for whatever reason, he can't get himself going again. Now, I don't know that's a fact, but this is one of these sorts. When someone's not getting a game, you get you get these kind of Chinese whispers, much as the stuff that's come out of France. Although I agree, Ricky, it's they have been quite a good source on him before. So it's quite possible someone did sort of whisper in their ear. But, you know, he has to earn his place in the team. And it's not as if we've seen excellent performances from him, consistent performances from him when he's played for Spurs. Um, so, you know, I think there is a, there is a, a he's, he's still got stuff to prove to us. He's, he's shown us in glimpses that he's a good player. And I don't think Jose would cut off his nose to spite his face to that extent, not at the moment with what's at stake in, in just in the few games that Tottenham have left to try and get up the table and potentially get a bit of Champions League football. So if he felt he was up to it, uh, I think he'd be putting him in there. But um, he obviously feels at the moment that he can't. But he's a player that I would persevere with because I've, t- I've seen in glimpses what yeah. I think we've got there if we can get the best out of him. And ultimately, that that is the I coach's agree. job. Yeah. The coach's job is to get the best out of that. And obviously, Bill Levy is going to be saying to him, 65 million quid, Jose, you know, get a tune out of him. You know, he's a good player. <laughs> for sure, player, for so sure. There's going to be pressure on him to do that, you know, because there's stories today that Barca won him on loan. Yeah. Um, with a view to buying him, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I think... We, 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 yeah, we want Messi out. on loan, don't we? <laughs> yeah. We have Messi on loan. I think you're turning 34 nice. and he did this week. <laughs> 33, yeah, 33 just, just, today is... Yeah. Perfect, 33 today. There you go. We, we'll take him and you can have Ndombele. I think you make some brilliant points here, Paul. And I think that, you know, for, for me, I think you're right. It, it, just because he's a record signing, don't mean to say that he just gets, walks straight back in the team. You know, think about what he did. He, he puffed and puffed against Burnley, didn't he? I mean, you talk about running out of steam, Paul. I mean, against Burnley, he was awful. I mean, mm. but I have seen some glimpses. I think we all have. And I think we, we want him to be a bowler. I think he probably will be a bowler. But he's down to attitude. You know, and, and you mentioned Rick earlier, you know, good friend of the show, Alistair Goldie, you, you wrote a brilliant piece about, you know, the beanie hat and, you know, just, you know, kind of slumping around and not really fancying, you know, yes, he was training, yes, he was warming up, but not really doing it, you know, to, to a certain degree. And then you've got 35-year-old Jan who's like leading the pack and belting out, tra- uh, you know, in training and that sort of stuff. And you just think, is this an attitude thing? Is it, does this come down to a behavioural issue? Um, you know, I don't want to give uh, uh, Ndombele too much stick because, you know, again, he's come to a foreign country. He's 24 years old. You know, I, I don't know what uh, we were doing. At, it's not his ma- it's probably, not fair, you know, and it's not his manager. You know, he didn't, let's no, be honest, no, he no, didn't no. sign for it's, Jose Mourinho. It, it, he signed for Mauricio Pochettino. It, 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 Exactly. So I think I think you just got to take all of them things into consideration and, and, yep. and just kind of look at it and go, it's not his fault. It's not her fault. It's not that person's fault. It's actually mm. the collective situation. But actually, let's like Paul said, let's persevere because there could be an, a fantastic player in there. When you think about the amount of issues we've had with midfield and all of a sudden you can have a La Celso and an Undumbele there with maybe a Winks or a Sissoko sitting. Well, hang on a minute. Like, why do we need to go out to the market all of a sudden? Yep. So, you know, there's some there's some massive positives to take there. Hope hope that that develops well. Ben at Forever Ben eighty five says, "Have you found Dumbella yet? And if so, what have the hostages taken 
or asked for. So there you go, that's Ben's verdict on it. Let's come over to you, Crackers, because after the game, Mourinho denied the report claiming Ndombele's asked to leave. He says, there is nothing. I try to do the best for the team. I can't start with 12 or 13 players. Sometimes I apologise to my players that they are not my first choice because I feel their work in training deserves some more. But I have to do my job the best I can and I felt for these two matches, I didn't need him. Now, I'd be interested, Crackers, to get your view on it because it sounds there, if you really kind of analyse that quote, that he does feel in work training sometimes deserves more in terms of maybe giving him a start or is it maybe a case where at the moment crackers he wants to put players on the field that he actually can trust and are well drilled to fit his system how are you seeing it from the outside i feel like the judging after hearing the case for and against where is it jose <laughs> uh, is it is it Ndembele? give us is a it, verdict give a... us a verdict <laughs> is it a mixture of both because you know it's it's right but but Jose, as Lee said, has always had that bet noir at a team. He's always he's always in, uh, picked out that individual that he seems to go in on really, really hard, which causes that friction, which builds and builds and builds, splits teams, and, and then away he goes. He's done it. He does it everywhere he goes. But is it actually the case this time that, that Jose is, is picking on him? Or... Is Ndombele just not pulling his weight in training and not seeing a player that he can rely on? It's so it's so difficult to tell. Somewhere in there is the truth. Is it is it a mixture of, of all of it? You know, it's. Uh, but I I think it's right. If Ndombele's not pulling his weight in training, then he's not going to get a start. And maybe Jose's throwing a little bit in of showing the other lads, listen, I don't care if you're the record signing, if you're not putting it in for me, if you're not going to give it for me, you're not getting a start. So nobody is is entitled to a place in this in this team. So it's probably a, it's probably a mixture of both sides of, of the argument. And uh, it's right, I've, you know, Ndombele, he's looked poor in some games. He's looked like he's not up to speed. And if Jose is not seeing him trying to get up to speed of the Premier League, then he's not going to get a start. But, uh, you know, the, the flip side of that is, well, you know, you're Jose Mourinho. No one tells us more than anybody that you're Jose Mourinho than you. you you're always telling us in press conferences, I'm Jose Mourinho. I've won this, this and this. I'm, I'm that great. Well, if you're that great, then get a tune out of this £65 million player and either give him the kick up the arse he needs or the pat on the back because, you know, he's either stick or carrot. So when you're a manager of Jose's level, you know which players you have to treat him which way. So, you know, it's down to him to get him right. He has to get him right. Unless, of course, he's that stubborn that he just doesn't want to be right and he's got the cigar on. So it's one of these, watch this space, this one will run and run and run. Who's going to who's gonna win out, really? It's, uh, yeah, it's an ongoing saga, which yeah. no club needs. But, hey, you know, it feels podcasts and column inches, that's for sure. It does. <laughs> and I'm sure it's, a, you know, it's one of those topics that are going to run and run and run. And listen, I think we all can see the potential. And my biggest fear is that we're going to let this guy go and he is going to be an absolute baller for a Barcelona. But, I mean, like Paul mentioned, Daniel Levy, you can't see him giving up easily on a £65 million club record sign. And especially when, at the moment, again, reports and speculation, who knows how true it is. If Barcelona are only offering a swap deal, then, my God, it'd have to be a bloody good swap deal. If we'll it's, get Messi If instead. it's Messi, then, you know, maybe we'll consider that one. We might consider Messi plus a bit of money. But- 
This is why Daniel Levy has a problem with spending loads of money on one player because you look at the record, you know, of, you know, you could probably, you could put, you could definitely put Soldado in that bracket, club record signing 30 million, flop. And Dumbella at the moment, can I call him a flop? Probably not. But based on what we're talking about, club record signing ain't done the business. You know, you look at a Paulinho, 18, 19 million at the time, best, best thing coming out of, um, uh, you know, Brazil or whatever at the time. Didn't do it for us, you know. You, and, and you look at it, and you, if you are the chairman, I know there's a lot of divide on the chairman and, and so on and so forth. But you know, if you're if you're the money man and you're spending the money, you've got to look at it and think, hang on a minute, our track record, whether or not it's his or the managers or whatever, and buying, you know, supposedly inverted commas top quality players is absolutely woeful. You know what? You know, you could even put a Lamella in that thirty million quid at a, a club record sign at the time. Yeah, seven seasons and, you know, a lot of endeavour like we talked about before and, and whatever. But, you know, as, as, as he even, you know, set the world on fire as a club record signing, you just, you know, this is the reason why we've got to get these, these sorts of things right. And, you know, recruitment in our, and I know, I know you love transfers, Rick, but, you know, um, you know the recruitment in, in Tottenham has to be absolutely bang on. And, and the reason for that is so many different things. But one of the major reasons is that we ain't really got huge amounts of money to spend, as everybody knows. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, Daniel Levy gets a lot of criticism for not going out and spending the money. But when he does go and spend the money, he ends up having record signings that can't get a game. And yeah. you just think to yourself, yeah, if you're, if you're the man making that decision, be honest, lads, and listeners as well, you're scratching your head, aren't you? Come on, 65 million plus add-ons here. That could go to 70 odd million. And all of a sudden you're thinking, what, what's going on here? I've done this with Soldado. I've done it with Lamella. I've done it with Paulino to certain extent. I've done it now with Ndombele. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm at my wit's end. I might as well go and buy an Eric Dyer for 3 million and, you know, get a, a really good tune out of him. <laughs> I get what you're saying, Lee. I mean, <laughs> like I say, fingers crossed, you know, we, we can try and get this player to the levels that we know he can be. And again, as the lads have said, this is the job of Jose Mourinho. He's there as the head coach. Let's hope he can do it. We are going to go for a very quick break. Still lots to discuss. We're talking Giovanni Lo Celso's magic. Harry Kane back amongst the goals. Dominant Eric Dyer, And also a glimpse ahead to Sheffield United to come. Do not go anywhere. We are back after this very, very short break. Hello and welcome back to the second half of The Last Word on Spurs. As always, thank you for downloading us. Now, time to talk some positives from that game. And one of them, of course, was Giovanni Lo Celso's return in a Spurs shirt from the off. And to be honest with you, Paul, I mean, this guy is looking better and better game by game. And it's great that you have a player that actually beats the first man from a corner, I may add. No dig at all at Christian Eriksen. But, you know, we saw him finally get his first Premier League assist and it came from a corner as it was deflected into his own net from Sukek. And after a brief VAR check for handball, the goal was given. And Paul, we finally took the lead, of course, because we had the issue with Son in the first half. That was disallowed for being a tono offside. It was obviously correctly ruled by VAR, but we got the lead eventually, Paul. Yeah, that's right. He, he offers us a lot, ourselves. So I, I think there is a bit like Lamella, the Argentinian players. Even Aussie was like this. They got a bit about them. They can leave their foot in. They're strong. They're willing to mix it. So you know, he's not a sort of fancy damn player. He's a he's a great creative midfielder. He's got great control. When he gets on the ball and he runs at players, they're worried about him. He can win you a free kick because he's got a bit of that hazard, low center of gravity thing as well. Uh, I, I think he's looking more and more the kind of a real, as I said, a sort of player we'll look back on in in uh, five, six years if we can keep hold of him when we keep progressing and say, you know, what a fantastic bit of business that was. He is he is looking, he's, so he's a joint to watch and he's a very rounded midfield player. And uh, yeah, I've got incredibly high hopes for him. When we saw it in the setting up, it just uh, 
to get that ball out to Son. It was a lovely little ball, and he was only off, as you said, by a toenail. Um, and just everything, his work rate, his desire. It took him a while to get going. I mean, he had to run a games. Yeah. Um, and, he, you know, he didn't hit the ground completely running. We saw little snatches of it. He kind of think he came with a bit of a knock, did he? And he's had a couple of injury issues as well. But I think we're starting to see what he's about now. And, no, I'm, I'm chuffed for him. And he's, he's, I think he's going to be very, very important for us. I've got to stick with you, Paul, for a second. One of our own, Jason McGovern, sends in a question. He said, it appeared the choice was always going to be Lo Celso or Bruno Fernandes with Tungyun Nibele as Spurs' number one summer target. Lots of fans wanted Bruno Fernandes. He's delighted Spurs decided to opt with Lo Celso. But if it was you, Paul, which of the two would you have pushed for looking back now? Would you have wanted to push for Lo Celso or do you think Fernandes, you still would have preferred to see him in a Spurs shirt? I'm trying to think of the timeline there, Ricky. I was wondering whether we'd already had La Celso when we were in the market for Fernandez. I think, I think we were because Jensen we came in. Yep, we were. After the uh, Ericsson, so I think. Yep, yeah. the Ericsson deal was dragging, and I think if the Ericsson deal may have been completely quicker, we may have seen them both arrive potentially. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's what we wanted to do. I mean, Bruno Fernandez was interviewed a little while ago, and he said Tottenham was mentioned, but he basically said, you know, he said, I don't think they wanted to pay the money. Uh, they, they, so Never that before. We made it. We made. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I do feel, you know, I, I'm not sure about Jedson, really. I mean, it's very early days and he's a young player, but yeah. um, it does feel a bit Jedson, sorry, Jedson and Kudu and G, doesn't it? It just it just reminds me of another one of those very lightweight players totally. that we get that, that don't look like they're physically up to the Premier League. Paul, I was just going to say, do you know what it reminds me of? Remember when we signed um, Postiga? And Manchester United signed Ronaldo. And it was like, you know, the two Portuguese boys are coming to the Premier League. Spurs have got a fantastic talent on their, on their hands. But Manchester United get Ronaldo. And it, it, I, I'm not sure we feel feels a little bit like that, you know, with Jensen versus uh, Bruno. It, it feels a little bit like that, doesn't it? Yeah, I know what you mean. I said the boys, one of the boys I sit with at the games at Spurs, he's, he's nicknamed him Slippers because he does... <laughs> He does look like he wears those white boots, so he does just look like he's playing in a pair of carpet slippers. It just—I don't know—he seems to glide <laughs> on the top of the pitch, but not necessarily in a good way. I mean, he's shown a, a few little touches, um, but I just—I just look at him and he just feels a very lightweight player. But again, he's a kid; he yep. could train on. But if this this whole period goes wrong, yep. when uh, when when the book's written about it, the book will be called the wrong Fernandez. <laughs> Crackers, oh, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Crackers let, let's bring you in. I mean, to be fair, Lo Celso, I mean, he looked like a class above most others in that first half. And he was, you know, denied his first Premier League assist for the Spurs VAR off cycle for Sonny's goal. But then obviously he set up Kane just before the hour mark for what should have been a goal for the England captain. And in the end, it was his corner that deflected into the West Ham net. I mean, how impressed have you been with Lo Celso? And I'll ask the same question to you, Crackers, from Jason there. Between the two, Bruno Fernandes and Lo Celso, looking back now, do you think Spurs may have the better end of the bargain eventually? Or we could have done with both, couldn't we? Would have been nice. Yeah, both both would have been, been lovely, but more than happy with Lo Celso. And uh, sorry to hark back to another one of my silly analogies. Lo Celso looks like the type of, uh, type of date that you could take to a five-star restaurant and he'd know which cutlery to use for which uh, which dish, and but would also be quite happy to go and have a filthy kebab at 2am as well and get involved with his hands in it, you know. He can do a bit of everything. 
You know, he, he's, <laughs> he, he looks he looks great. He looks absolutely great, and he will he will go and get involved, and he will you know, and he and he can finesse he can finesse as well. And like Paul said, Ozzy could do that as well. Ozzy could be horrible, absolutely horrible when he needed to. He could leave a foot in. He could you know grab a player behind a ref's back. But then he also had that wonderful touch and that wonderful finesse and that skill. And that's what you need sometimes. Sometimes it's get down and dirty and sometimes you can go out there and do and do the clever things. So at the moment, he, 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 yeah, I, I, he's got the better end of the deal. It's, you know, no one's got a crystal ball. You can only judge what you've actually got. And I'm more than happy to see him in a Spurs shirt. I absolutely love him. He's, he's a real difference last night. Yeah, many of our listeners agree with your crackers. This is from Brock Soccerball at Stunning Spurs, who says, I'm excited about the Celso. He's by far and away the best player on the pitch. So composed and strong on the ball. And that incisive passer that we need in the middle of the park. Think we've got a gem here. Stefan Blorris says, the performance from the Celso was sensational. Really think we've got a real deal. For me, he's the first name on the team sheet. Lee, let's bring you in. I mean... Glowing references there for Lo Celso, and it's fully deserved on the back of that performance. And again, it just leaves you wanting to see more of him and itching because he's only going to get better, Lee, isn't he? Yeah, no, he absolutely is. And I think that I think the stats. This is where stats are brilliant. You know, I love my little Tottenham blue book and my little stats and all that sort of stuff. But stats are baffling, aren't they? That he hasn't registered an assist. Or a goal, is that right, in the Premier League? And Up you just until think before that's... last night, he now has. Obviously, yeah, back from a corner, yeah, but yeah, has... spot on. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy, really, if you think about that, with, with you know, how we're, all of us, and, and rightly so, waxing lyrical about him. I think that I agree with both Paul and, and Crackers and, and what you said as well, Rick. You know, I think that he's got something about him. Um, he gets about the pitch. I think he's a... Uh, again, going back to the whole Jose and Dembele thing for one second is that, you know, he did the same with Lacelso. He, he, he kind of challenged him, didn't he, to say, look, have you got the right attitude? Do you want to play? Are you going to, you know, put, put yourself about? And Lacelso said almost, yeah, I did. I am. This is who I'm about and this is what I do. And and, and he kind of proved himself. And I, I think he's going to be a long, long stay in the Tottenham uh, team. And going back to a point that one of those made, I think it was Paul earlier about Ericsson, you know, needing that creativity. I always remember that, that the game a few years ago when Poch left Ericsson out. Or I think he might have been injured against Southampton, and um, and we lost two one. We didn't really create anything, and it was it was starting to. We all started to believe as fans, and obviously as you know in the media, and you know probably in the dressing room as well. That without Ericsson, we couldn't really create chances. Um, and obviously now Ericsson's part uh, moved on. Um, you know, we, we've got somebody, I don't want to put a load of pressure on Lo Celso, but we've got somebody that has that ability, maybe not what, quite yet as an Ericsson, but he has definitely the potential and the ability to, be, to fill them boots. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's, that's the biggest praise that I can give in the, in, in the modern era, really, because I think Ericsson's a world-class player. So, you know, I think he's been brilliant for us. And you just feel that when he gets on the ball, something's going to happen. Do you remember, do you remember that... Um, I think it was also against Southampton, weirdly enough, in the cup when he made that run. Um, I think, was it in the yeah, cup? Yeah, what, or was, run, it, what it, a run that was. Yeah, stunning, what a run. And, and he yep. started to drive mm. drive the team forward in, in, yep. that, in that way. And I just think that that's the bit, maybe, crackers, that you were talking about earlier, about why don't we just play like that all the time? You know, it's that he's got that ability to go, well, oh, something's going to happen here. Yep. And, and I think that's what we love of Tottenham fans, isn't it? We do. We do love to see our attacking football. And when he's on the ball, you know, there's always something that's going to happen, makes us tick and... Like I say, so, so excited to see what's to come from him. Very, very promising player. Now, another player that delighted to see back amongst the goals. Been so much speculation. Of course, Paul 
Paul Merson's been having his say, unlike Paul Merson's uh, talk about Spurs players and, you know, digs at Jose Mourinho. It seems to be a, a regular occurrence on Paul Merson loving a dig. But Harry Kane firmly shut him up. It was Harry Kane's 200th Premier League appearance for Tottenham against West Ham, which he marked with a goal. And to be fair, the way he finished that off, he looked absolutely knackered by the end of that move, but it was a great finish. And Paul, coming around to you, is it relief for Kane in a way that he's got that goal now and hopefully he can, he can really push on because... I think with Harry, as we always know, when he has these injuries, it always takes a while for him to kind of get back underway. And this is again for Spurs, another, we've talked about it many, many times. At some point, they are going to have to take the pressure off Kane. But that seems to be a big goal for him now, Paul. And hopefully we'll bring him on and push him on between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I, th I think, um, I think you know, he just he still looks knackered. I think a lot of them do, you know. it's They reckon it, this is like pre-season. We wouldn't judge Harry Kane on a, on a, on a couple of... Uh, you know, pre-season games uh, against lower league opposition or, or overseas opposition. And this is where we're at. These guys haven't played for months. Kane's been injured for a long time. So we're now, you know, he's in a situation where he's just sort of finding his feet. And we saw against Manchester United, he just couldn't get himself going. It was just being out on a football pitch again and getting a feel for it. But I think, again, we saw last night against West Ham, he made good runs. He started to pop up in the sort of places where you expect him to. And when he had a one-on-one -on -one and he had to finish it off, he got the job done. So it's going to take him a while. They say it takes like seven games and the season's almost going to be over by then. So I think we're seeing all across the board, the quality generally of the football has not been great so far. I mean, United have just done for Sheffield United. Manchester United have beaten them 3-0. Martial scored a hat-trick. So we'll come on to that. It should bode well for next week because Sheffield United you know, have, uh, have conceded six goals and haven't scored yet. And they've only got one point. Uh, since they come back. So they're not quite the same team as they were before. So, But no, going back to Kane, it's going to take him a while to, to, to get his touch back, to get his game back. But you know, he is, he is a class player. So look, it will happen, definitely. Yeah, fingers crossed it does. And you know, you look at those stats for Kane, 29-20 season, 33 games, 28 goals for club and country. It's hardly a bad return so far. We've still got, you know, seven games to go in the Premier League and he can still really, really help us and push us on for his own personal goal-scoring tally and really have an impact on Spurs' rest of the season to come. And Crackers, you know, a huge cheer from the Spurs bench. Jose Mourinho, we saw even animated when Kane scored, finish through Son's pass. And the lay-on in front, you could see the relief by that celebration. And I feel, you know, he looked sharper and sharper as the match had gone on. Give us your thoughts on that. And also, question here we've got from Lindsay at Lindsay28, who says, why does Jose Mourinho keep Harry on after he scores? He looked tired again, and it's his second game back after playing against Manchester United. Surely protect him and work him back to full match fitness. What's your thoughts on that, Crackers? Or do you think, no, keep giving him the game so he can start to really get a feel of the match day experience and hopefully keep scoring for Tottenham. Harry reminds me of the type of player that would get the ump if he got taken off on 89 minutes and he had four goals. And he, he, he just looks like the type of lad that wants to play every minute of every game and would run himself into the ground uh, and go into these red zones with the stats that they have. He's just that type of player. That's That's... That's just him. He will give you everything, every game. And, uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's looking a bit tired, but as Paul said, this is, this is pre-season again. This is the first seven games of a new season, even though it's the old season. It's just unprecedented times. They're all, they're all off the boil. Um, you, you can't judge anybody at the moment. 
you don't know what's going on in people's lives. If the overseas players, if they've got family in in countries elsewhere, and I know this, you know, I've got family in the UK and with all what's going on and not being able to go back there, it unsettles you. It does. It does unsettle you. I've got two daughters that still live in London, uh, mum and dad. And, you know, I'm just just a retired troop, troop train driver. And, and I found that unsettling. So to try and get somebody to be a professional footballer, to, to have your mind totally focused on the football when you could have family that are going through, you know, illness for what's going around. You just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So you have to give a little bit of leeway to all players. And, yeah, but Harry getting that goal... Well, he's fantastic. You know, he, he's just a class player. We, we cannot lose him. We just, we have to keep him at all costs. He's a talisman for us. He's, he's the whole, uh, he's at the vanguard of the club. He, he is, he's, he's, he's the Jimmy Greaves of our time. He, he really is. I, I love him to bits. He's just, not just the football side of him as well. There's an important side to him where he's such a role model. You know, there's, no, there's none of this, flashness to him or anything he's just such an ideal he's a dream he must be an absolute dream for the club and uh yet to get back on the score sheet he'll only grow in confidence from that i love him to be he's peerless he's absolutely peerless harry i love him to bits Lee, coming around to you, Harry Kane, 137th goal in 200 Premier League appearances now, and he's 8th in 12 under Jose Mourinho. Doesn't suggest that as a man struggling for form under the new Spurs head coach, if we can still call him that. Another player I also want to bring into the fray, Lee, because of time pressing against us, Eric Dyer, mm. who is really yeah. growing into a real leader at the back line. And you could actually hear him if you're watching him on Sky and you are having the decision to, you know, hear the actual players and the coaching staff rather than the crowd noise that's being played in you can hear Eric Dyer vocally you know really really controlling the team from the defence to the midfield you know he's people talk about Eric Dyer I think we're seeing a different side now because we're having this option to be able to hear the players even Hugo Lloris to a degree I mean Lee how impressed have you been with Dyer over his last couple of games of course he was at fault for the United penalty which some will deem to be soft and unlucky but is he slowly winning you roundly that he could be this centre-back for Tottenham in the future? Yeah, so a couple of points. I thought what, what Cracker just said on Harry Kane and, and obviously echo what Paul said as well. I thought it was absolutely outstanding. Uh, the guy is, uh, Cracker just summed it up, he's peerless, absolute legend for the, for, for the club. And uh, not bad for a one-season wonder, is he, to, to be fair? Um, you know, he, he epitomises everything about, you know, what, what we want to see in a, in, in a in, in our football club, really, you know, we talked about Ndombele, we talked about attitude, behaviour, you know, the fact that he worked so tirelessly hard, changed what he was doing before to get into that first team and to break in and the mentality of the man. You know, I think, uh, I think Jeff Shreves asked him yesterday, um, you know, what's it like to score on your 37 goals and turn your game? He said, yeah, it's all right, it could be better. And it just, it, again, I think you said about it, didn't you, Rick? You know, elite mentality and, you know, that, that's, that's what we want for, for out the side. Um, absolute top, top class player. Love him. Like, like Craig said, love him to death. But on Eric Dyer, I think that, you know, let's not get carried away. He's played two games, but I think people need to get, you know, some sort of perspective. And Crack has just alluded to that here as well. You know, there's, you know, you've got family over in London or family abroad that you can't see in the lockdown and all that sort of stuff. That footballers are in the same situation. You know, somebody talks about, oh, you know, Toby's, you know, oh, his form dropped off back end last thing. She had a baby. 
uh, for any you got par- if your parents out there and you've had babying, you know, um, it's 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 it, it, just having sleepless nights. It makes a difference in your working performance. So you know you, you've got to take into consideration. You know, you can't just come and lamp on social media lambast people for this, that, and the other. And I think Eric Dyer's is in the same boat in a sense of, you know, he's had 12, 14 months of hell. You know, he've had injury after injury. Then he's had illness. He's had that, that issue that he's had, um, you know, which, which they thought was appendix to begin with. And then there was something else wrong with his gut and they had to have an operation. And, you know, that is going to, that is going to, um, really take its toll, not necessarily just physically, which obviously it did, but also mentally as well. So you have to come back from, from from that type of uh, injury and, th- and then also like you said as well you know his his uh, the guy that bought him the guy that mentored him the guy that was kind of family uh, Potticino we all love and by the way you know just for the record in case nobody realizes I absolutely love Poch and I would have had him you know down in League Two for for like I think he was absolute god uh, but he's gone and that's why we're we're back in Jose now but you know he's had all of that change as well that he's gone through and 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 then he's changed his position as well so you've got to look at Eric and say, look, is he putting his stamp on it? He looks, he looks fitter. He looks, he looks leaner. He looks, he looks hungry. If I can, you know, quite a lot of cliche words in there, but you know, he does. And 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 I think that I think the the, the most telling stat that I would say on Eric Dyer is out of twelve games he's been available under Jose Mourinho, he started ten of them. Now that that just goes to show you how how much a, a, a guy that's won over twenty six titles. Uh, record after record after record has come in and gone, no, you're, you're my man. That's got to give you confidence, surely. And I think we're seeing that now. Um, you know, typically Tottenham, he's going to probably end up getting a ban as somebody put out on social media. I think Brenda Show, Paul O'Keefe said, you know, typical, he's going to end up getting a ban now after he's just started, he started well. And, and actually as well, look, he did give away the penalty, didn't he? Um, against Paul Pogba, but yep. other than that, other than that, you know, he, he's been very, very solid. And again, it's interesting you say that, Rick, about you know the different dynamic with with the crowd noise because actually you don't get to hear the players or how vocal they are, and, and you can see that he's he's commanding that back line, and that's and that, that's impressive. I have to say, I'm, I'm quite impressed. You know, a little bit of bated breath and fingers crossed, but hopefully, long may that continue. Yep. Question here for you, Paul. DAC at De Cavalli says, thoughts on the Dyer-Sanchez partnership? They seem more comfortable against West Ham. Is that due to our opponent or are they getting used to each other as a centre-back duo? Thoughts on that, Paul? Yeah, I think it's very early days, isn't it? Um, we'll just have to see. As I said, I, I do have slight concerns about that right side with Aurier and, and Sanchez sometimes and the way they work together. But Dyer has looked pretty solid and he's looked quite comfortable at centre-half. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where Toby sort of fits into this because it's always good to have his experience as well. So, but you do sense that he's he's going to try and build a partnership. He's going to try and keep a settled partnership there for as long as he can. And uh, yeah, I mean Sanchez a couple of good interventions. His pace often gets him out of trouble, um, and I think we've seen that a couple of times. He's got us out of trouble because he's got back and covered. So. Yeah, the, 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 the signs are there. The signs are there. So uh, I, I, I think it's a bit of a watching brief on those two at the moment. As I said, I don't think we're going to see a lot more. And I think he's off um, uh, after the end of the season. And I think the only time we're likely to see him back, unless players are really tired, is is if we get injuries there. So, um, you know, they're, they're the three we're going to be working with. Um, and uh, we just have to see how it pans out. Yeah, he's trying his best, isn't he, Mourinho? I mean, 
I think we've always had that issue with Poch towards the end, that we chopping and changing the defence, even the goalkeeper. That was always Spurs' problem towards the very end of his reign, that we never really had a consistent back throw. And you knew that under Poch, where we were playing that swashbuckling football, you could name that back for every day of the week. Danny Rose, Kyle Walker as your full-backs, and then Toby Adderall and Jan Bertongen. And we have to, I think, find a way of getting back to a consistent back four. I think we've discussed a lot about the full-backs on these shows. And to be fair, you know, I think Aurea's performance was much improved. And, you know, not, we don't we say that on the last one on Spurs. I feel sometimes maybe Aurea does get a lot of stick. But I think it's worth mentioning he had a good game. Ben Davies had a good game. And on the back of what I'm saying there in terms of the defence crackers, questioning here from, let's go to Danny Walsh, who says, what is your verdict on the defence? We have looked poor at times at the back under Jose Mourinho. Is it going to be improving? Or do you think there is still a need, Crackers, to go out and look to reinforce the defensive areas in that team? Yeah, you have to have you have to have a settled back four. That's that's the one part of the of the pitch where it has to be settled. It has to be your back four and your keeper. They have to work in tune, they have to work in harmony. As much as it pains me to say it, that Arsenal back four underground was uh, even the five was always them and they were they were fan, they were fantastic they were impenetrable sometimes because they were settled they were in tune they need to be able to know what they're what they're going to do defenses are just a, a, a completely different science to midfield and up front it needs to be almost german in its in its efficiency and you know just working together um Dyer and Sanchez, yeah, I can see him beginning to try and build something now. And uh, as Lee said, Dyer went through the mill because he was he was ill for a long time, a long, long time. Same as Lamella, he had that problem, and you're just not gonna you're not gonna see the best of them. Um, now they both seem to be over those long term problems they have. You have to give them the time to be able to develop, and the early signs are. That Lamella as well as Diver both went through these long-term issues and now through them and beginning to flourish a little bit. Uh, my only, my only concern is Aurier. He just like you know to to quote Paul Hawksby, the great Paul Hawksby, uh, he's he's a dog chasing a balloon. He really is. He's a he's a dog chasing balloon sometimes, and that, that frightens me. He scares me to death. He does absolutely scare me to death, and I think he's the problem. But he's one of these players that can all of a sudden do something and go, wow, did he just yeah. do that in a genius way? Or, wow, did he just do that in giving away a goal? And yeah, I, I don't like that in the defence. You have to be a little bit more dependable with yeah. that. But the green shoots of recovery are there, are there, as the Tories once said. We've got this really odd lopsided defensive setup where Aurier mm, can't yep. really be trusted to defend. <laughs> so what happens is that he's allowed to bomb on. Yep, does what when he, wants. he does bomb on, Ben Davis comes inside as a sort of current surrogate centre-back and yep. Sanchez goes out behind him to do the defensive work. Mm. And, and Crackers is right. When Aurier has, has those nights and those days when he just puts in brilliant crosses in really dangerous areas, you think, this is great. It's a really fluid system. Don't worry about it. He's not great when it's going on behind him, but he's good going forward. So, But last night we saw he got in great positions and he was played in. Bergwijn played him in a couple of times. Great positions. Yeah. And he just put in duff crosses. So when he's having yeah. nights like that, although, you know, he, he didn't have a bad game. He, was, he always wanted the ball. Yeah. And it's incredible how much they play through him, how much of the ball he sees in a game. Everything 
seems to end up on the right-hand side with Aurier because if he does get the cross right, he's fantastic. But so often, like last night, you know, he just he has an extra touch or he scuffs it. And he's, a, he's an infuriating player. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not altogether sure I want him there. I don't want to go to his testimonial. I don't necessarily want him there. And, I don't want him are you, there are you sure, Paul? Because I think that could be a full stadium, that one. Yeah. Well, I just think, just think you can see it. I mean, he's the sort of player that you think, oh, look, it was fun while it lasted, but we need yeah. we need a proper defender there. And, uh, um, yeah, I, it's not for me, not long-term anyway. Mm, we'll have to see, won't we? I mean, Spurs' full-back options when Jaffet Tangayan comes back and Ryan Sessegnon. Yeah. Who knows well, what is to come? You, I do have to say, the, the thought of a Pascal Chimbonda, Serge Aurier joint God, testimonial... Can you imagine that? God. <laughs> Isn't getting me on the Ryanair website to be flying back to London, I can tell you. What about if we chuck in Asu Okoto? Would that kind of swing it for you? <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got to say, one guy I think that's growing kind of in fitness, and while his touch has let him down at times, Soko. I mean, he covered a hell of a lot of the pitch in possession yeah. and out of it. I think, you know, a guy there that, you know, you look at his Spurs career and we joke about Sir Juriet players that maybe have fallen out of favour with a Spurs fan base. But I think, you know, Sissoko, he really has kind of earned this kind of respect with Spurs supporters, the way he's turned his career around. And it's great to see it. I mean, he's a player that does offer you so much. Those surging runs through the midfield and another player that is so vital to the way Jose Mourinho wants to play. So again, one to keep an eye on. Now, we are delighted to be joined by a Sheffield United fan who is giving us his preview ahead of the game against Tottenham Hotspur next week. And on the back of that, we'll also be looking ahead to Sheffield United to come for Tottenham Hotspur next week. Can Jose Mourinho make it back-to-back wins for Tottenham Hotspur against Sheffield United? The Opposition View. You right, guys? Travelling Blade here. Um, my preview for the Tottenham match. It's our next Premier League game. We've had, we have actually got um, an FA Cup game um, on the Sunday before against, whisper it quietly, Arsenal of all teams. I imagine they're not very popular on the listeners to this podcast. Um, I think with that game, I don't, I don't know if it's possible for both teams to lose given how poor each side's form is. Um, I mean, Tottenham have had a pretty good start. Um, I think they've, start, well, they've started much better than we have. Um, coming back into the Premier League, they had a convincing win against uh, West Ham United the other night. Um, you know, but maybe a bit of luck here and there. But, you know, back to form, Carrie came back amongst the goals. We, however, have been abysmal. Honestly, it's been poor. We started off against Aston Villa. We were out of it. We had the ghost goal. I think that's killed us. We played poor that game. Didn't deserve to win, should have won. Then we had Newcastle away. You know, once again, this first half was a little bit better. Second half, Egan got sent off um, and we just fell to bits defensively. Heads dropped and it was abysmal. We lost 3-0. Um, our waveform's been good this season. Before before the break before the break induced by Corona, we'd only lost twice on the road, which uh, were against Man City and Liverpool, no less. As I speak, we've now lost two uh, away games on the bounce, 3-0. Newcastle and then Man United absolutely outplayed us this afternoon, this evening. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Man United played absolutely fantastically. They played some brilliant football at times. It should have been more. They should have had at least another two goals, perhaps another three goals. But on top of Man United being brilliant, we were also poor. Um, we made, we stood off from them. They just passed it round us. We had no conviction. We did show signs. We did play a little bit better. Um, you know, the first... 
the first five minutes of the game, we were even on top. And then by the seventh, we were 1-0 down. Um, we looked very tired and leggy by the end. I feel a bit daft. Been on the radio a few times before the you know the restart of the season, talking about how fit and ready our players will be, how match sharp and prepared they will be. We've been nowhere near it. We honestly look a completely different side. When at the start of the season, when everyone said Sheffield United are going to get relegated and finish bottom, this is how everyone thought we would play. Um, I don't know what's happened to us. I mean, we we often struggled after international breaks. And this, well, how many hundred days break or something, has absolutely killed us. I just, you know, thank God that we we played well enough in the majority of the season to ensure that we're going to stay up because we are in no form whatsoever. Optimistic, going, if I'm going to be optimistic going into the Tottenham game, I think we might lose 2-0 at a push. It is at Bramall Lane. We have yet to play there since the restart. We've had three away games now. Um, we've got Arsenal at home. In the cup, I hope, I just hope and pray to every deity under the sun that playing at home gives us a boost and we play better at home, even without the fans, um, than we have done away. I don't think it's possible for us to play worse at all. Um, line up, I mean, we've got, it's what's it, the 4th of July or the 2nd of July, the game, I believe. Um, We've got a while while we've got a while since then. It's about a week away from now. Whether Jack O'Connell will be fit by then, I don't know, but we are missing him like a hole in the head. Um at least we'll have Dean Henderson, like we unlike today, as he couldn't play against Manchester United. Um Egan's suspension, I believe he might still be serving that then. Um I don't think the cup game counts as one of his games. Um, I'm not sure if that takes it off his tally or not. I think he might still be out because if it's a three-game ban, that will be his third game. But I'm not quite sure. It was two yellows. Um, but we will still. I doubt, greatly doubt we won't have Jack O'Connell, who we've missed dearly. Even if Egan is back, he has not been great. Ender Stevens, who's been incredible, incredible for us this season, has been very, very rusty indeed since the restart. Up front, we've lacked potency. Um, I mean, I'd say I'd, I'd I'd start the same side we did today because I think when we started today, we actually played quite well. So that was Moose, Lise Moussa, uh, David McGordick up top. They played better and seemed a bit more involved, a bit better on the ball than Sharp and McBurney did. Uh, we had a midfield of Norwood, Fleck and Lundstrom. Lundstrom was one of the only players that actually can hold his head high today. He tried, he played some good football at times. I'd say a back line... Um, I don't think Egan will be back, so that'll probably mean Jagielka there. I think he's past it. Everyone knew it's nice to have him back. He's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a fan's favourite, you know, a bit of a legend at the club of what he did way back in the Warnock era. But I don't think he's ready for Premier League football. Um, if he's got the likes of Son and Kane bearing down on him, he's probably going to get caught out. We're probably going to still have Jack Robinson in in place of Jack O'Connell. We're going to have the wing back because even though Stevens has been poor. I can't see him being dropped. Maybe Ben Rob Ben Osborne will come in, and then Dean Henderson at the back. I just hope that Tottenham have a poor game. I hope by then. I hope that we beat Arsenal. I'm sure you do as well. That gives us a boost going into the game against Spurs, and we've got to hope that somehow playing at home um, gives us the lift we, lift we need, and that Wilder gives us a very much needed kick up the arse because we have been abysmal since the restart and Spurs. Looking pretty fine fettle, to be fair. So if I'm being optimistic, we might be able to scrape a draw. 
if we get a few lucky VAR decisions, but I can see it being 2-0 to Tottenham. The Opposition View. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs, our final segment. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're discussing briefly, taking a glimpse to Sheffield United to come. Now we're recording on the back of games where Manchester United have won. So they are now, as it stands in terms of the Premier League, four points ahead of us. They're still in fifth, 49 points. Tottenham on 45. We're a point above Sheffield United. So it's quite a big game, this one. And Crackers, I'll start with you. Sheffield United, it's not going to be an easy game. Chris Wilder always gets his sides up. What are you expecting? And are you confident Tottenham can carry on their unbeaten run and, dare I say, even try and go back-to-back victories in the Premier League against Sheffield United? Uh, it's my chance to be the Jekyll and Hyde Spurs fan, but we all are, because I think they conceded six and scored none since the restart. Sheffield United, oh God. so at this point... Dr Tottenham will see you now. Yeah, Dr. Tottenham will see you now. And it's at this point to like a 1-0 Sheffield United win, doesn't it, on the Jekyll side. But, you know, if we do what we can do and they continue in their form, then, then that's a win. That, that, that is a win. But, oh man, how can, how can you call it? Because so many times history's taught us that if we come up against a team that's had a couple of cuffings and then we go to them and all of a sudden it's like, how have we lost that? How have we lost that? So it's, it's head and heart, Jekyll and Hyde. We should win it. We should comfortably win it. But let's see. You can normally tell in the first 10 minutes of a game which Tottenham you're, you're getting. I was going to say there. 10 seconds, um, because, but I think you're being generous at 10 minutes. We'll let you have, we'll let you have, we'll let you have 10 minutes. <laughs> so I'm going for a Tottenham win. I'm going to go oh, for a Tottenham win. Different, uh, different dynamics. No stadium. No, no fans behind them. It's just purely football. Them versus us, with no, no other interference around with fans and and everything. So yeah, I, I'm going. I'm going for the Spurs win. They got a, a Tottenham win again from Crackers. So he's going for back-to-back wins under Jose Mourinho. That would mean seven points from nine. Wouldn't be a bad return at all. Josh at the boring git says, I think Jose will rotate his team. Winks, Lacelso, and Indumbele alongside Tosoko, depending maybe on in terms of fitness and what the team looks like. Again, um, question here from Aaron Mayhew, and this one is for you, Paul. Um, do you think that we are close to our best team? Maybe Bergwijn over Mora, maybe Lamella over Deli on current form. I think Jose likes a settled defence in midfield and lots of forwards to rotate. How do you think he'll approach this one, given he's got quite a number of days now to recover the squad and a bit of time now to really kind of reflect on four points out of the possible six going into the Sheffield United game? I wouldn't be at all surprised if he plays more or less the same team. Maybe Bergwijn for, for Lucas... That'd be the only thing. I think he's going to let Delhi try and play himself into form, but he's, you know, that's been the last two seasons really for most of the time. Um, again, Delhi, we haven't really talked about Delhi. He had a, you know, again, he looked tired. He looked off the pace. It was his first game and he was frustrated. But how many times have we seen him go off the pitch in the last couple of seasons, like kicking water bottles and getting frustrated with himself? Cause he knows he's just not quite up to the mark. It's almost like he's playing slightly with a handbrake on. Yeah. Stuff doesn't come off. We know he's a wonderful player when he gets it right, but he just can't quite get his mojo back. And I, but I think Jose knows this a wonderful player. I mean, that's that first training session, wasn't it? When he said, are you Deli Ali or Deli Ali's brother? That's I mean, right, yeah. We all, right. we all knew what he meant. And I think he, he knows he's a good player. And if he can get the best out of him, we've got, we've got a class player. So I, don't, I think he'll put the same name out against Sheffield United, so barring that, 
Lucas Bergwijn change. And uh, I think we'll win. I just think I think the break came for Sheffield United at a bad time. And Chris Wilder now have sort of eight days with them and try and get them up. But they have been conceding goals. They didn't really create much tonight. And they just don't look the same team to me. They just can't get themselves going again. So I'll go a bit of 3-1, actually. I could see us. 3-1. I could I could see us if we score first. Yeah, definitely. I think I think their heads will drop then. I think here we go again. Yeah. Um, if they score first, it might be different. But no, I think three one next week will be all right. I agree with your point in terms of the, the the way that side have gone. I mean, they had obviously that very very harsh injustice really the VAR done to them, where they should have had that goal really given in their favour. And I just wonder again, as a team like that, it's it's not a massive massive squad. Whether they're now really suffering from not having a big squad to choose from. When you look at Jose Mourinho, he's got a lot of attacking options. I mean, Deli Ali, as you mentioned there, Paul, um, wasn't that effective against West Ham to be fair. And Oli first says Deli slowed our attack down, and we arguably looked a more balanced team when he came off. And Lee, I mean, mm. I'll ask you about this going into this preview. Is Delhi just starting based mm. on his reputation? Can he really fit into his current formation? And again, with Sheffield United coming up, would you be inclined to give Ali a chance again in this game? Or would you maybe start him on the bench? Thoughts going into Sheffield United and a prediction? With Delhi Ali, I'm one of his biggest fans. So you're not going to get a negative out of me on him. Uh, I think he's absolutely outstanding. One of the best young English talents that we've got in the game. Um, you know, he's going to break all midfield records. Um, I think he already has or for, for a certain amount of them anyway, in terms of his age. Um, and I think having the main man back up top, Kane, is, 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 you know, it's his mate, isn't it? You know, they, they formed a phenomenal partnership when Delhi gets right up against him on his shoulder. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that, that at, at times when Lamella started against United, we were dropping into a 4-4-2. Um, and I think we, we saw that again against West Ham as well. Um, and there's no reason why we can't be seeing that with Delhi pushing right up top that, that, that season where we challenged, uh, the, for the title under Poch, uh, for, against Chelsea. Delhi was superb and I think he can get that form back by backing. Um, so I'd start him, uh, personally. I think he's, uh, he would be, he would be my, in my kind of number 10 role. Um, just on Sheffield United, I think, you know, the lads make some obviously brilliant points. I think John Egan was, was missing tonight, wasn't he? Um, because if he got banned, because he got sent off against Newcastle. Um, and I think when you've got, um, you know, that, I think you t- just touched on it, Rick, when you've got a squad of players there that are well drilled and, you know, brilliant at what they're doing, don't get me wrong, Sheffield United have been fantastic this season. But they're now going into, like Paul said, a nine day break. They've, uh, Crackers just said that, you know, they've, they've, they haven't scored, letting six goals. And, you know, they're coming up against a little bit of more of a confident, more buoyant Spurs. The front six, as people were saying about it, you know, who's going to start? Is it Lamello? Is it Delhi? Lucas, Bergwin, Son, Kane? You know, you've got Dembele to still come back in. Celso's just got man of the match. I mean, come on. Who ain't getting excited about that, regardless of Jose? Then you've got the defensive side of things. If we can keep him out, and I agree with Paul, I think if we can keep him out and we go, we score first, I, I think we go and win relatively comfortably. I, I think that... Again, I totally agree. I think the break come at a real bad time for Sheffield United, and uh, and actually, you know, they can they can probably start to see their you know their their, their aspirations or their dreams, if you like, slipping away uh, underneath them. Uh, they needed to get at least uh, a win, maybe uh, two out of them first three games, and they've got you know one draw. So you know they're, they're, they're slipping away, and and I think you know for for me when when you look at kind of the amount of goals that they've actually scored, regardless of home and away, and they've been fantastic. But since December the 21st, they've only scored two goals twice in the Premier League. Twice out of all them uh, since December the 21st. So the point being is, if you you know if you go with a mentality of you know we're going to go and score three goals, you probably win the game. Um, so uh, for, for me, it is it is comes back down to you know that 
Um, are we going to go and have a go? Are we going to have 55 men behind the ball and bore the tits off of the whole of the, you know, the fan base? Um, you know, there's obviously a balance there, but I'm, I'm confident that we can go out and, and, and win. And, and, and just quickly, if I, if I may, Rick, on, on Jose and, and the attacking side of things, if, if we've got a couple of seconds, I've just done a bit of research actually while we've been uh, chatting on the, on, on this wonderful pod, last word on Spurs. And the last, uh, the, the last six uh, seasons, um, of Tottenham Hotspur, we've scored, um, these amount of goals, uh, 55, 48, 69, 86, 74, and 67, respectively. Out of Jose's top six seasons in any of the clubs that he's been at, he's averaged 80 goals a season. Um, and that breaks down, you know, inevitably. I'm sure you can at me if you want on Twitter and find out what that breakdown is. In other words, what that, what that draws down to is that that is the top three amount of goals scored in the last nine seasons of the Premier League. So if Jose can convert them goals into Tottenham Hotspur, not only are we going to have more goals than we've ever seen before, bar one season under Poch, we're also going to have the top three amount of goals scored in the last nine seasons in the Premier League. So again, you know, regardless of how pragmatic you might be, I'm having some of that. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's, it's looking like then we're, we're positive and, and it's pushing towards the right, right, right reaction for Jose Mourinho. Listen, we all want, all jokes aside, we all want this man to be successful. We all want the trophies. We want to see this man bring them to Tottenham. We want to be successful. So, fingers crossed, that West Ham win was the start of, you know, hopefully the revival and us getting back to winning ways. Delighted to have back on this show Paul Hawksby from TalkSport. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Been a pleasure having you on the last word on Spurs. Yeah, pleasure, Ricky. Yeah, good to talk to you, Crackers Lee. Oh, thank you very Shot much. man, Paul. Good to talk to you, buddy. Crackers. Man. Cheers. As always, always making us laugh. Those analogies get better and better each time. And Crackers, crackers. I've got some more Shot saved man. up because I'm sure we'll be having a bit more of you before <laughs> the end of the season. <laughs> uh, thank you for inviting me back on. Thank you for putting up with my weird analogies and sideways <laughs> at Spurs. So uh, it, can be, it can get boring in lockdown in Spain, you know, and it gives you a lot of time to think of silly things. <laughs> <laughs> you've, been, you've been keeping really busy. I know you've done a lot of these quizzes, Crackers. You've kept us really entertained, to be fair to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, oh. they've, been, they've been good fun to do. Kept me sane. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, we've, we've somehow kept sane throughout it, even with Spurs coming back into our lives. And the brilliant Lee McQueen. Lee, thank you as always for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure to have you on. No, of course, mate. Thanks for being back on and uh, enjoy these. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I know that sometimes my optimism is not classed as realism, but I'd rather be positive than negative, and, and that's just in my nature. So all I all I want to say is I think that we can generally go and get you know twenty two, twenty three points out of uh, out of the last nine remaining games, and we've dropped a couple of points against United, but we're on a winning recover again so come on Spurs let's make it happen let's and if it don't happen so what so what if it don't happen but at least we've given it a go yeah mm. no pressure Jose just the uh, 21 points if you can 22 23 points get us in the Champions League and we'll, and we'll be happy Jose Mourinho Rick he ain't, he ain't got pressure he's, he's a winner that's <laughs> what he's, really, he's been brought in to do he's a serial winner <laughs> listen guys thank you so much for downloading listening to the show we'll be back with you very soon keep the faith and as always come on you Spurs Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs> 